So, to answer your question, we started out in a kitchenette that was probably like half this room and then maybe about like 75% as long. And we had this big table in there. Um, and we took it in the office and we ran a table saw down it on every side. We took like four inches off width-wise and four inches off length-wise. And so that turned into that table right there. Mm. That table used to be a lot bigger. And then uh, we tried to drill that hole in it, but the hole saw that we had was horrible. And so it just scratched the piss out of the table for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so we started sticking stickers all over it just to hide the scratches. And then we filled it out. We put some stuff on the side so you wouldn't see what was on the side and everything. So that was in that other office that I had that I told you about. And then um, we moved over here. We started out with that table. Like the cameras used to be in this direction. The table used to be over there. You know, like it was completely different. Tristan used to be able to look at us. Um, like the table was turned this way. Mm -hmm. So it was just a lot blockier setup. So we got this table and like one of the things about that table is it's too narrow. Like to, for good camera angles, you kind of got to have like a certain distance away from each other. So we got this wider table that fit a little bit better, but we're actually about to get the downstairs unit of this as well. And the downstairs is three huge offices, like, uh, one, two, three. Mm -hmm. So the middle and the middle one is the smallest one. So what we're going to do is just cut two big windows out of it and leave the studs there and Mm -hmm. then uh put fiberglass on either side and soundproof it Mm -hmm. so that tristan can be roll over here and direct this podcast and roll over there and direct this podcast and over there we'll do something similar to this with more room but on that that side we'll do like a howard stern type like a ill shaped plat like uh we'll take some of those like benches you would sit on at a pizza restaurant and put them on the corner of the wall okay and put a table and then put like a, a raised podium over here that's mm. like your your host chair so we have a plenty of money that we haven't made yet spent already in the future yeah yeah good so, which good. i think is the uh thanks the standard that's how you know you're you're in video production. That's right. <laughs> if you haven't spent the next like $10,000 you make, you're not really in video production. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh it's been exciting, but I appreciate it. This is burn the ship. Really the the focus here is to figure out um, what it is that you do, what it is that you sell, the problem that you solve, but really just learn from you as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. learn from you as a business person and kind of take some of those experiences, see what we can make of them, see what sure. we can make of them for our audience. Um, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. Well, I'm Corey Faulkner. I'm co-owner of Elite Marketing Co. or Elite Marketing Company. Um, out of LaGrange, Georgia. You know, we started the company, actually we started the company early back last year, but myself and business partner, he owned the advertising company for 15, 16 years. I own a video production company, digital marketing company for six years. So we started Elite Marketing Company back last year. So you guys got married. We got married. (laughs) So we, we decided over time and saw over time that for one, our team Sometimes they question us like, well, who do we work for? If you go out and get pricing on things, you know, who would we work for? And clients as well. So we, we early this year, we said we've got to merge. And so we merged both companies under one brand, Elite Marketing Co., 1st of April. Cool. Yep. Cool. So at the heat of COVID, huh? hmm Wow. What was that like? Yeah. You know, when COVID hit, me personally, and of course for everybody else as well, but it it scared me to death. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can remember like it was yesterday sitting on my front porch when they put everybody on lockdown or city went on lockdown, basically sitting on my front porch and couldn't do anything. Me, I'm the type of person I've got to be moving. I got to be doing something. My mind's got to be doing something all day long, every day. So sit on my front porch and, you know, I just said to myself, I'm going to ignore all the noise, keep doing what I'm doing, keep grinding. 
And that's exactly what I did. Went back to work the next day, went to the office, of course, just by myself because everybody else is, is gone. We can't have them at the office. Um, and just went to work and just stayed steady grinding, never looked back. And it's been good ever since. Sure. Yeah, of course, you know, during those times you have ups and downs and a few times you're thinking, oh, my God, what in the heck are we going to do? You know, but we worked through it and we managed to make it by and, and just steadily growing. Sure. And did you guys that early in your business, did you guys already kind of have your ideal client kind of ironed out? Did you understand what exactly that you were looking for or already had it boiled down? Or? We did because, you know, my business partner, the primary industry he worked in was essentially the same as what I worked in. So I started, our, my old business was called Cedar Cross Media. In the beginning, it was all video production. So that's primarily what I stayed with. Only in the video production, space. like commercials for small business, commercials, or? TV shows. I got my start honestly in 2010. Uh, me and my son were, you know, and I never picked up a camera other than uh, taking pictures growing up as a kid. But in two, uh, 2010, I had the opportunity, me and my son went to Pennsylvania to become pro staffers on a TV show, a hunting show. So we got accepted onto the show, and of course, part of being a pro staff, you have to film all of your hunts and everything that you do. Of course, turn that into the show, and they use it for their own shows. Um, and then fell in love with the camera, and over the years, just truly fell in love with storytelling, telling a person's story through the lens of a camera. For one, I've got my own story, so that really sets deep with me. Being able to do that through the lens of a camera, and then you know, get, getting out of the outdoor space, primarily focused on local companies because I saw an opportunity that I could really help local companies tell their stories and brand themselves the way they need to be branded, and market their companies the way they need to be marketed. So I got completely out of the outdoor space. I may, you know, every once in a while, if I get a call to do a project, just to kind of get out of the office, go do a project. Still in the outdoor hunt. Space. Very little. I, I wished I could. I still love to, but after you trace somebody all over the globe, when you get back home, you kind of don't want to do it yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, you get burnt out on it, you know, and at least I did. A lot of people don't. A lot what of were guys, you guys hunting? Oh, man. Wait, deer, elk, turkeys, been to Africa several times. Mm. You know, it's been all over the place. You know, I did a documentary in Honduras, uh, been to Canada, just been all over the place. Been in every state, every state in the U.S., I think, but six uh so wow been all over <laughs> that's interesting yeah that really interests me just from a from a production on the outdoor space standpoint is just insane but uh you know i love to hunt myself that's mm-hmm. what i ask is just like that that how how did how did that work what, what was it about that that kind of fed your your love for the camera were you guys kind of tandem hunting and one was capturing one was shooting or well for me and my son when i first started that's the way it worked out but as i progressed and got my name built a name in the outdoor space uh, you know, he got his driver's license and girlfriends and all sure. that. He basically said, no, I don't like being in front of the camera or behind the camera. I like just to hunt. So leave me alone. Right. But me, I progressed on with it and I started making really good connections throughout the industry. Um, and, and, you know, it's as a producer, camera guy, whatever you want to call it in the outdoor space, that's your primary job is to produce a show, produce a produce content for a product. And that's what you do. You know, you, you kind of run the show, you kind of run the hunt. Um, so every once in a blue moon, you might be able to go hunt yourself, but primarily you don't. Right. Yeah. But it, I loved it over time. You know, it just, I kind of turned a hobby into a job and then it got burned out for me. Right. You know, a lot, a lot of guys, that's all they do. That's all they want to do. But for me, I, I really love helping local companies 
and other companies grow and, and succeed and reach their dreams like they want to. And, and in some cases in the outdoor space, it's hard to do. Sure. You know? Sure. So you got out of that space, you came home, you've definitely honed your skills as far as video production goes. What does your, what does your first client look like? How do you, how do you kind of get in that first client whenever you're, you're home and you're deciding that's your direction? You know, you would think as being known kind of on a national level in the video production world and outdoor space, you would come home and kind of be the same. It would kind of be the same way. Sure. Shoot, it was like starting over, man. It honestly was. So thankfully, just through networking, that was the number one key for me is to network and meet the individuals that I needed to meet and just get more involved in the community. I'm, me and my business partner and our whole family are we're really involved in the communities, you know, with different civic organizations, nonprofits and all, uh, really involved. So that's really where it started is, you know, a lot of people, you know, like to cold call. Me, I'm not a cold call. I like to meet you in face. I like to do things face to face, you know, and door knock, whatever I got to do. But networking is key sure sure it absolutely is so tell me um tell me a little bit about your story what how did you get in before you got into that outdoor space in, in 2010 so take me back in time before that what what is your story what is your professional career start at where does it start well uh, i'm originally from south carolina okay i worked for caterpillar 15 years mm. i worked at caterpillar in south carolina in greenville uh eight or nine years got the opportunity to take a promotion in lagrange and 2010, uh, you know, I got the job in LaGrange. We packed up, moved there. But, you know, as the outdoor space goes, I've always loved the outdoors. I've always loved hunting. I, I, I can remember as a kid watching Real Tree, you know, VHS tapes. I still got some to this day. But I said to myself when I was a kid and throughout my teenage years that whatever I do, no matter how I do it, I will somehow be in the outdoor space, whether it's mopping floors, cleaning dishes, whatever it's going to be. So thankfully in 2000, 2010, you know, we, I saw a post on Facebook, I think it was. and um, yeah, Early Facebook. Early Facebook. I, I guess I think it's where it was at on Facebook. And um, reached out to the, to the TV show and had the opportunity to go up there. And that's kind of where my journey began. But, yeah, I worked for 15, 15 years for Caterpillar. And before that, you know, I, I worked construction. You know, oh, wow. but, yeah, but, you know, working construction, I loved it. I love building things just because, you know, my wife tells me all the time I got ADHD, which it's I very truly, truly believe work. it. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, and, you know, my brother came to me because back then work just wasn't steady. You know, I got two kids, uh, barely she couldn't even afford to put food on the table most days. You know, and I tell everybody that sometimes I used to have a 74 Chevrolet pickup truck, two-door. I loved that truck. I was, I was in the process of fixing it up. But we were honestly so poor at the time that my wife, that's the only car we had, just truck. So my wife rode in the floorboard, my kids rode in the seats, and the floorboard was about to fall through because I had a, had a hole of rust about that big in the floorboard. <laughs> so at any moment now, she could honestly fall through. So I was at work one day, and she called me. She said, I got your truck sold. What do you mean got my truck sold? I didn't, it is not for sale. She said, yeah, it is. The guy at the gas station wants to buy it, so I'm selling it. <laughs> so, Golly. <laughs> yeah, and but, you're in LaGrange at this time? Or before no, you this, is, this was in South Carolina. You know, this was when my kids were little. Uh, you know, I just grew up, grew up on the Mill Hill, Mill Village kid. Mm-hmm. Dropped out of school in 10th grade. And, of course, went back and got my GED. But, you know, then my me and my wife had been together since I was 12 years old. And... My son was born two weeks after I turned 18. Sure. So 
time to get a job. <laughs> yeah. That's what I did. I yeah. got a job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's been time to get a job uh, yeah. at that point. Yeah. So that's cool though. You get in your, so you get into this outdoor space, you get into the video production a little bit. You say you come home and it's like restarting. So what is that restart like? You know, it, it, is it better that time because of the skills you've acquired and you kind of know what you're going after? Or? It, it was, but you know, back then. Was I the vision clear that early? Oh, things? heck no. No, it wasn't at all. I just knew that I wanted to film or, or tell people stories through a lens. That's all I knew. But, you know, starting a business, scared to death on how to do it, didn't know how to do it. You know, like I said, man, nobody taught me anything about business. I learned most of it just trial and error watching YouTube. Yeah. And, and surrounding myself with people that were business owners and, and learning from them and reading books. I used to hate reading books. If it didn't have a picture, I probably wouldn't read it. But right. now I love it. That's my relaxation is reading a book. Um, but no, it, it, was, it, was, it was starting over for sure, but trial and error, and it still is trial, trial and error to this day. I think that's kind of the journey with owning a business and being an entrepreneur. For one, you're never satisfied. No matter what you do, no matter how great you do it, you're never satisfied. So you just always want to progress and progress and, pre- and progress and think of new ideas to come up with something better. Sure. Yeah, it's trial and error every day. Sure. What's the community down there like in Lagrange? Actually, the only um, I don't I don't know if I've ever spent time there considerably. I know we played Callaway High School mm-hmm. every year in every sport. Yeah, which won um, state championship last year. Yeah, they. Year. I'm glad. Well, I'm t- they wasn't nothing to play with when we were there. I'll no. tell you that football. Terry Godwin was my year. Mm-hmm. So 2015 is is we were we went out together. We both went to UGA. So he. Uh, they gave it to us so bad in football. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they were ridiculous, but, I mean, we were just as good as they were in basketball. That's mm-hmm. what I played. We were, we, were, we were really good at basketball. But that uh, that's about my my expertise on LaGrange is yeah. a couple of, couple of tough losses down there in those sure, gyms. Sure, No, I, I love LaGrange. I tell people all the time, for me, honestly, you couldn't pay me enough money in the world to move from that place. Wow. You really couldn't. I love it. For one – you know, I I was man. If you know me twenty years ago, you'd be like, "Holy crap! I'll never do anything with this guy. He's crazy as a run over cat." But, <laughs> um, I you know, me back then to who I am now is three hundred sixty degrees. Uh, for one, I, and as you know me or get to know me, I'm very faith based. So I give my 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 life to Christ one hundred percent. From that day, changed me one hundred percent. And moving to Lagrange also changed me took me away from who I used to be, the people I was around, and surrounded myself with people that really believed in myself. Give me that opportunity. So I will never, ever leave. And when I left Caterpillar, I left Caterpillar in 2016 because at the time they were doing the restructure, you know, globally, and which they told us in 2015, we got until 2018 to, you know, basically restructure and do what we got to do. And, and 2016 rolls around, and I knew what was happening. Went into the office, come home from lunch, or come back from lunch, and uh, I had two bosses, one here and then one in um, North Carolina. Got a text from one in North Carolina and said, my boss you know, needs to see you in his office. And I walked by the office, and they charged in there and knew what was going on. So I went to my desk, got my stuff, and went back to the office because I figured it out. And they told me what was going on. So you have 60 days to find another position at another cap facility somewhere else. And I looked at them both straight in the face and said, no. I said, God's got a plan for me. Running my business, running a business is what I want to do. It's what I've always dreamed of doing. And I'll never leave LaGrange ever in my life. And as soon as I walked out that door, of course, scared to death. Didn't know what the heck I was going to do. My wife, she was frantic, Mo, but, you know, I told her, I said, you know, God's got a plan for us. 
And the very next day, honestly, my phone was, I was booked for the whole year. Wow. Really was. You know, I just, I'm not the one that really worries. I worry when things get slow, but I mainly worry not necessarily of what's coming, but mainly for my own sake. It's like I said, I always have to be doing something. And if I'm not in, in, in rush mode every day, all day long, wondering, you know, what needs to be done next, that's when I start to worry. I just kind of take life as it is and, you know, only control the things you can control and don't worry about the things you can't control. Sure. Just do what you do and that's what you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As, and one of the beautiful things is like we, we talk about this a lot is intention with what you're doing and you're so intentional with your business and your messaging and niche down to the point where you control who your clients are and exactly what you're doing. Having that control of your business and being that level of entrepreneur is the only reason that you can do what it is that you want to do in the community and impact it that way without mm-hmm. being intentional. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like the only reason that we can do this podcast and the way that we do it is because our client base is developed enough to build some, you know, a pillow, a cushion around what we're doing in business. Mm -hmm. You know, like the only reason that we can provide this value in the way that we provide it without trying to charge everybody, you know, $250 to come to a podcast is because credit card processing is going well, you know, and there's, there's something to be said for everything, not being so intentional to your bottom line. You, you just do things a different way. You know, you do think you walk with a little, a different faith, you know, and a different cadence, you know, so it's just very different. Uh, And that's why I ask kind of what, what it's like down there in LaGrange. What are some of the ways that you guys are, are kind of tied in with the community? Well, uh, um, I'm about to be uh, the president of Kiwanis club. Mm. You sound excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Well, you know, it's crazy as, you know, myself, it's, I had a very rough childhood. I was a very, very, very bad kid. Um, and, and it's crazy as I've gotten older, it seems like I keep getting stirred in the direction of helping kids. And, and I love it. I love every minute of it. So every nonprofit and organization that I'm with has something to do with kids, the mm-hmm. Boys and Girls Clubs. And, you know, Vice Chairman on Boys and Girls Club. Uh, you know, about to take over as president of the Kiwanis Club. You know, um, you know, we have several other nonprofits in town that we work with, you know, Twin Cedars, um, geez, Communities and Schools, which is a, you know, national organization and all. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, we really try to surround ourselves, not, not just to be a part of something, but to give back. You know, really, truly believe in giving back to the community. You know, as God blesses us, we bless others. And that's what we try to do every day. Sure. And what are you guys looking for right now as far as clients goes? What specifically to those two industries? Like what are some of the um, kind of symptoms that someone may be experiencing that says, hey, I think I think this is probably a good person that we can help? Well, number one, we, we really truly want to work with clients that have a desire to grow and, to, and a desire to make their life, their family's life, their team members' lives better. You know, if if we run across a situation or a client that has five people and that's all they want to ever be is five people and just, you know, do work here and there, that's probably not the fit for us because we tell every client we're a partnership, we're a family. If you just want a one-off project, we'll give you a list of 10 individual companies that we know and work with and competitors for or whatever to go do work for, you know, for you. But for us, it's a partnership. It's a true partnership and we're done for the long haul. Um, so that's for one. 
the next part is is you know is um, what we look for is what are they, what are they doing currently and not doing well. So how can we come in to help you do it better? Um, stories is so powerful these days, and that's where a lot of companies and most companies fall. Is you know everybody wants to buy something, but nobody wants to be sold to. So how do you do it? You do it through stories and educating them, not just pitching them a product every single day and throwing it in their face and hope they buy it. You know, they want to know how do you as a company connect with that individual that's buying your products. So we truly sit down and understand that. For one, where do you go as a company? Where do you want to go five years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, whatever? And then what can we put in place on the services that we offer to help you get there? Right. So I, the reason I ask those questions in that way is it seems you guys are, are very um, – it's not even, I don't even want to say value-based because you guys are providing a tremendous value. It's more like a, like connection-based. Like the value is in the relationship. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like that's what I think that that is so beautiful about what we have going on in our company is that the relationships that we've built after all this time are really the only reason that we've been type successful. And you guys are kind of, mm-hmm. you know, not mimicking that because you've been obviously doing it in your, own, in your own vacuum over there. You didn't learn anything from us. But you guys are really relating to your clients and your customers on a way, you know, in a, in, and their customers in a way that I think a lot of people aren't, aren't taking a lot of, uh, of look at it that way. So relationships, contacts equals contracts. The only difference between the two is the R is mm-hmm. relationships. Every customer, every client that you work with, it revolves around relationships. And if you can't build that relationship as a partnership, then over time, it's probably going to fall. Right. It's going to fall apart. Right. You know, relationships, man, is number one for us. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Take out the uh, undercover billionaire part and the Grant Cardone part and just make it like he said that himself, like yeah. he invented it. That sounds good to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, man. Um, you know, I'm interested in seeing where you guys end up because I think that, uh, you know, a journey with the vision that you guys have is a, is a journey well spent. So I'm interested to see kind of where you guys um you know, end up and continue to develop as you continue to develop these suite of products. So tell me how we can help. Well, man, it, again, relationships and connections. If you know anybody that is truly wanting to grow their business to where they want it to get it, want to get it to in five to 10 years or a year from now, whatever, but they're truly struggling on the marketing aspect of things, send them our way. You know, our, our primary clientele is HVAC and car dealerships. Of course, we've got smaller uh, clientele we work with locally, but those are the two main industries. For one, they all need help. They really do. You know, let's just say HVAC industry or a company is, you know, as a, as a guy that starts out in his truck, he's not worried about how he markets his, his service. Or right? even as it grows, you know, if he, if he hires somebody internally that does marketing for him, in a lot of cases, it's not the right individual because over time we get, we get our blinders on looking at the four walls, and that's the only thing we focus on. So how do we reach out to a company that, is prof- you know, is professional in this, and they come into it looking at it totally opposite in, in, in any way that we've ever looked at it before? So that's truly how, you know, as we can connect, if you've got their relationships and, and a client or a friend or whatever wants to grow, man, send them away. I can do that. Where do we send them to? How do they find you? So we, you know, website is theelitemarketingco.com. And, of course, our Facebook. And uh, we don't have Instagram yet, you know, just because, you know, I love Instagram. But it's just one of those things. But right. um, LinkedIn. It takes time. Yep. And LinkedIn as well. 
you know, we're, we're heavily on Facebook. We're heavily on LinkedIn. Of course, our website as well, theelitemarketingco.com. And then, of course, always call us anytime. You know, we, we give our personal cell phone numbers because we don't want a customer or a prospect calling just somebody at the front desk. And we want them to reach us as business, business owners personally. So, you know, my, my cell number is 706-407-9600. Cool. Well, I appreciate you being here, man. I appreciate yeah, the travel. I appreciate you letting us know um, kind of what you're up to. And I think that um, my business as well as the people that are listening are aspiring, you know, to run our business and run our life a lot like you, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you're a good example of, of what to look forward to and, and what entrepreneurship and that vision can bring you. Yep. And I think it goes um, undersaid and undervalued the direction – and intention that you can live your life when you have this, you know, overwhelming urge to help people. That's right. You know, and you guys have that. I see that in you and, and your company represents that in the fullest way. So I uh, appreciate you coming out, man. This yeah. this has been time well spent. I appreciate you, uh, you know, starting this road to a, to a relationship with us. We'll definitely put some people in your pipeline for sure. Certainly, man. I thank you for having me as well. It's been a, it's been a blast. Cool. Thank Thanks, you. man.